joining us for services. What a great day in the Lord. Great time of worship. Now we're going to move into a time in the Word. I look forward to it. Our theme this month is pulling together. We've talked about pulling together as couples. I want to speak today on pulling together as a church. Pulling together as a church. In our theme this year on togetherness, we're just unpacking this and letting the Lord speak to us on togetherness. Now, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of John chapter 15. We have it on our Westover app and our notes there. You can follow along and we just want you to kind of track with us on this. Pulling together. It seems like today that families are pulling apart and, and you don't need stats to prove that to you. You see that. You, you see the collateral damage in your co-workers and in your own family. It seems like America is being pulled apart. The, the fabric of national unity is, is frazzled and tested. And can I say, America's trying to get in an election what comes through revival. There's some things that will only come by a work and a move of God. Today, political correctness has given us permission to go everyone in their own direction, pulling America, pulling culture, pulling families apart. I can take you to one book in the Bible that is the personification of political correctness. It's the book of Judges. You want to see what political correctness do? Read the Old Testament book of Judges. In fact, it closes the last verse and the last sentence with a sentence that defines political correctness. It says everyone was doing right in their own eyes. Let me rephrase that, paraphrase it in the Ryan version. Everyone was politically correct. And throughout the book you have this, and they did evil and they did evil and they did evil and there was decline, pulling apart. Can I say... God wants us to pull together. God wants the church to pull together. And in order to pull together, we don't say, God, you pull my direction. We say, God, I want to get on your side and go to your direction. The Scripture tells us in the book of James, chapter number 4, if we'll draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Who makes the move? We always go God's direction. We always go God's direction. The Roman soldiers, when they came into the garden, the Bible says, and they fell backward, I ask you, which direction are you going, to God or from God? Which way are we going? Which way is our heart leaning toward? We always pull God's direction. Find out what God is doing and say, God, I want to pull that direction. That's the prayer of Jesus. Your kingdom come. Not political correctness, I'll do what I want. Your kingdom come. And so I want you to join me in the Gospel of John, the words of Jesus. And Jesus speaks to us, and he's going to give us three categories for churches and believers. Every believer in this room, you fall into one of three categories. Jesus will give it to us. One of three categories. Churches fall into one of three categories. And here's the words of Jesus, John 15, verse number 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. I'll come back to that in a moment. The heavenly Father is the gardener. Verse number 2, three categories of churches and believers. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. There it is. No fruit bears fruit. 
more fruitful. Every believer in every church will fall into one of those three categories. And I'm going to unpack that for us in a little bit this morning. The first one Jesus talks about, he says, no fruit, or I could say unfruitful. You, you, ever, have a, you ever have a tree, a fruit tree, that, that didn't bear fruit? I, I remember one time we had a rose bush at the house. And we had it for about three and a half years. And in three and a half years, it only produced one time one rose. I talked to it. I watered it. I prayed for it. One time, one rose. Now, it could produce thorns, but I didn't plant a thorn bush. I wanted a rose bush. One time, one time, one rose. So after about three and a half years, I just went out and took the shovel and I dug it up and got rid of it because I didn't want a thorn bush. Here Jesus is telling us that he wants us to not be in the category where it's called no fruit or unfruitful. Unfruitfulness is is defined as taking and not giving. Though we even say that, oh, the, the, the tree is putting out its blooms. It's giving apples or it's giving peaches or it's producing this. We always reference fruitfulness as it's giving something away. So unfruitfulness is, is, is tantamount to just taking, being a taker in life. Just receiving. Just always, everyone is tending to our mood and our feeling and our need. It's, it's pointing inward, whether it's a church or an individual believer. Everything is focused on the individual, on the person or the church. I, I, I have pastored long enough that I, I, can, I can see the symptom of unfruitfulness. When I hear somebody say this, I know it's unfruitful. When they begin to say, I'm dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied with my job. I'm dissatisfied with my life. I'm dissatisfied with my marriage. I'm dissatisfied with my walk of faith. I'm dissatisfied with, my, with things how going in my heart. When they say, I am dissatisfied, and some of us here today, you're saying, I'm dissatisfied. What you're really saying, I'll give it biblical language, you're saying, I'm unfruitful. I'm unfruitful. I'm, I'm missing something. Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor, said that, that people, when they're dissatisfied in life, they distract themselves with pleasure. Is that not so true? The happy hour and the vacation and the getaway, distracted with pleasure because down deep inside they're dissatisfied. They're unfruitful. Unfruitful. And The scripture says, Jesus will say the heavenly father is the the gardener. And and he will intervene because he does not want us to be unfruitful. The King James Version renders that word gardener a, a different word. Follow with me, track with me for a moment. The King James Version says, and and the father is the husbandman. The husbandman. What is a husbandman? A husbandman or husbandry is where we get our English word husband. Every married man 
The title husband comes from the word husbandry or husbandman. What is that? If you look it up in your dictionary, in the encyclopedia, it'll tell you a husbandman is involved in husbandry. What is that? It literally is the nurturing and the cultivation of crops. When somebody goes out and tends the garden, waters it and feeds it and keeps the pest away and makes sure the soil is in good shape and there's plenty of sunshine coming to it, cultivating and nurturing a tree, a garden, they are called a husbandman. They're involved in the activity of husbandry. That says something to us husbands about our families. Sometimes it's easy for us guys to complain to our wives what you're not and you should be and you change and we, we kind of take the dominant and bossy mood. Can I tell you, you have whatever you tend to and cultivate in the home. Your wife, your children, your family, the status, the state of the home is a product of the husbandry work that we do, whether the home is fruitful or unfruitful. It starts with us guys. Here it is, man. If your students go to camp, it's because dad will say so you're going. If kids are in church, if kids make the right decisions, if values are enforced in the entertainment in the home, it's because dad stands up and says, this is what we're doing, and he cultivates the right eco-environment for values and godliness to be cultivated in the home. Husbandry. Here's what God is saying. I'm the husbandman. I'm going to do whatever it takes to take a person, a life, a family, a home, a church, out of non-fruitfulness, unfruitfulness. God says, I don't want you to be unfruitful. I don't want you to miss what you could be. I don't want you to I don't want you to miss your potential. So God intervenes to change our unfruitfulness. Number two, Scripture says, verse number two, not only no fruit, some category, that's some of us, we're dissatisfied, we're not fruitful, but there's another category, number two, fruitful. Fruitful, bears fruit. All this is all throughout the New Testament, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In First uh, Peter chapter number 1, the writer will talk about all the decisions we need to make in order that we bring forth the fruit of righteousness in our life. This concept of fruitfulness is all throughout Scripture. And I could sum it up in this. It's good to grow. You've heard that before. It's good to grow. God wants every one of us, every believer, to be on a pathway of fruitfulness. What does that mean? That means that we're, we're walking in obedience to the will of God. Obedience to the will of God produces fruitfulness. Obedience to the will of God, fruitfulness. So if we're not fruitfulness, we're missing either God's will or obedience. One of the two ingredients create fruitfulness. That's what God intends. And some of us, the Lord has been tapping on our shoulder for some time now. He's been speaking. He's been dealing with us. We've been excusing it. We've been telling God. We've been arguing with God and bargaining with God. 
And God is saying you'll never be satisfied, you'll never be fruitful until you obey and walk in the will of God. You'll have fruitfulness. Now Jesus is going to tell us something. The second category. He said everyone that's fruitful, he prunes. Now I'm caught by this. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Fruitful and you prune. Yes, the fruitful will be pruned. Now, I, I will tell you, I'm not an expert. I'm not a connoisseur on trees, fruit trees, horticulturists. I, I, I don't know. I was talking to a man one time. A man in the church was over his ha- house, and he has a big peach tree in his lawn. And I was asking about this. Oh, man, you're going to have all this. And he began to explain to me about pruning a peach tree. Wow. He said, he said a tree has so many nutrients and the, the succulents, the juices, everything it takes to bring forth. It's in the root system. And when spring comes, it comes up from the root system. It goes into the branches and produces the peach tree. But he said, oh, you've got you to prune the tree. I'm thinking, prune it? Every limb you take off, that means less fruit you get. He said, no, no, you don't understand. He said, you don't lose that sweetness and that succulence. He said, you take off limbs here, that succulence and that that all the juices and all the sap is distributed, it'll all go into the limbs to every other peach. If you want sweeter peaches, he said, trim some of the limbs off, prune them, and the peaches that are left become sweeter. Now, in just a few weeks, Fredericksburg peaches will be coming out. Can I get an amen? Yeah, you, you've had them. I tell you what, I don't want a dry peach. You know what I'm talking about? I want a peach that when you bite into it, it baptizes your shirt with juice. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I I mean, just, uh I want it all over my shirt when I eat that peach. I like to take those peaches and, and slice them up and put them in a bowl and always put the bowl there so you get all the juice. And I'll slice those peaches and just to make sure that when the peach falls into the bowl, it doesn't get bruised. I've discovered if you'll put bluebell ice cream on the bottom, <laughs> it keep it, it'll keep the peach from being bruised right there. And you slice it up, and it goes there. And it is just so good. It is, it is so delicious. Can I tell you, God wants to do that. And the Bible says that those that are fruitful, those that are fruitful... He's going to prune to make us more fruitful. And, and, and I brought these from the house here. I, I, I brought these. This is, this is uh, yeah, when Denise wants a pedicure. Yeah, you ought to see her toenails. I mean, uh, 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 this works great for her pedicure. I, I, I go out there and <laughs> don't you dare tell her I said that. <laughs> um, I go out there and I, 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 I prune and I take it off. I have to get rid of it. Now, I have discovered if, if it's just intruding a little bit, if it's just overgrown a little bit, if it's just, a, a, just gone a little too far, I can use these. I can kind of clip it with these. But if I've ignored it, or, or it's occurred and I haven't paid attention to it or for some reason and in it, this won't handle it, then I, I've got to get the monster ones out. And can I tell you, it's, it's this is involved. 
God prunes. God prunes. Now, God would rather prune. Everyone is fruitful. God prunes. He would rather do it this way. He would rather just in obedience, yes, Lord, and it's just kind of like a little clipping. But if we argue with God and we put it off, we tell God I can do, and God, I know somebody goes to a church and they do the same thing, and God, you need to understand this is just who I am, and God, you need to realize it just makes me feel better. And we go through the whole routine and we ignore God. We're disobedient and we're not in the will of God. Then finally that issue is more significant and God says more drastic intervention is necessary yes and i've discovered when god's pruning there's two things you need to understand about god's pruning in our life number one god's for you not against you i'll tell you that god's for you not against you there there'll be times you're not going to understand it God, god will interrupt god will interfere with you god will mess with you but you need to understand he's for you and not against you And when there are times you don't understand his hand, trust his heart. Trust his heart. Because he's for you. And he's not against you. Number two, I discovered in God's prunings is this. If God ever brings a downsizing, it's because he's preparing me for an upsizing. Yeah. Yeah. If God ever says, I'm, I'm taking it away, I'm, I'm bringing reduction, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to allow, God has something better. Every time God introduces less, He later gives me more. If I can accept His less with joy, the more comes with celebration. Oh, yes, there's sometimes... God will say that relationship, it was all right four years ago. It was, it was all right, but, but now it's, it's sapping from you. It's robbing from you. The, the, the nature of it has changed. It is no longer innocent. It is, it is no longer just something you can have. That friendship is actually dragging you down. And God will bring out his pruning hooks and he and begin to move it out of our lives and he'll begin to cut it away and we say but why god because god sees something better god will introduce the less now because he sees the more later on yes if he ever prunes it's always to bring us to the third category whether a believer or a church that we're more fruitful. No fruit is unacceptable. Fruitful, God will prune so that we will become more fruitful. More fruitful. I want to unpack this third point and I want to apply it to us as a church, to the Westover Church family, to become a more fruitful church. With that in mind, I'm going to introduce this to you with a video. Please direct your attention to the screens. In my career, I've experienced a lot of wins, both on and off the court. But here at Westover Hills, a win means something different. 
Anytime a child, parent, family, or community get closer to Jesus, that's what we call a win. Our new sports complex has the potential to reach thousands of people that might never come to a service. Through sports leagues and activities, we can bring them to our campus and bring them into the kingdom. We are ready to start the final phase of the complex and we want everyone to be a part of this making great moment. So join us and together we'll go for the win. I'd like to just for a few moments talk to you about how to be a more fruitful church. Westover, several years ago, took on sports ministry. At the time, it was a very small initiative we took on and began to do it primarily through fellowship. Well, in the course of time, we expanded it when we built a gymnasium and we started basketball leagues and then volleyball in the evening as well for families. But we noticed something. Not only did our sports ministry connect the community of Westover together, family with friends and others, it began to have an outreach that we never realized it could. We began to see that other persons and families that were really not connected with God and not connected to the church began to connect with us and eventually connect with God through sports ministry. Sports is such a part of our culture and they enjoy it so much. They were coming and playing, and then all of a sudden, God would touch their life, and God would transform them. And we began to see that happening time and time again. We expanded it with a softball field we put in a few years ago. Well, in 2009, we had the opportunity to purchase another 10 and a half acres that go from the uh, north end of our parking lot all the way down to Calabria, giving us frontage on Calabria, and that ten and a half acre purchase we determined at the time would allow us to significantly expand our sports ministry and that's what we've been doing for the last several years at expanding we do have basketball leagues and basketball camps Antonio Daniel out with high school and middle school students and work with them and we've seen some incredible fruit results from that and families connecting and youth connecting with not only Antonio, but with other youth in the church. And as a product, they're coming to services, and God's working in their life, and God's doing something in their life. And then softball tournaments and so forth. Well, last year, and you know about it, we've reported it to you on more than one occasion, we took on a construction project down at our sports complex, and that is to put in a restroom, concession, patio, just a facility that would make the sports complex family-friendly uh, sidewalks and so forth. And we, the, for the infrastructure and everything it took to put that in, it was a $1.2 million effort. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm so proud of this, that that $1.2 million construction was done absolutely paid for with offerings. We owe nothing on that. It was paid for by offerings 
this church gave to the building fund and others were tithing and over the course of the year two before that we were setting aside additional tithing money into the building fund so when the construction came and sure enough we paid for that and it's completely debt free to date Westover Hills has invested $3 million in the sports complex down there with the purchase of the land, the softball field, and the new facility we built last year. And now we're in the next phase, in the final phase of this sports complex. This brochure will introduce that to you, and I'm going to ask you to take it with you. But in the center of this uh, brochure, if you'll open it up, it actually shows you an aerial view of what we're planning. They're going to bring it up on the screen behind me. This is an aerial view. It will have our student center. It will have our main building, the building that you're in right here now. And it's on the screen behind me, the parking lot, the concession stand, our existing softball field. All the property that goes down there except the corner, pro pro the corner property at Calabria, and Westover Hills, we own all of that. There's an acre and a half we don't own on the corner. But everything else of that we do own. And we're looking at putting in a, another softball field to be able to double the softball leagues and be able to provide t-ball as well. Additionally, uh, an aspect of our sports ministry that would be new to what we do beyond basketball, volleyball, softball, and t-ball would be soccer fields full soccer fields for adult for youth for uh, children to be able to open our campus up and touch our community in a significant way this is our our vision for the future this is the win that we're going for is to complete that have a walking trail have a fence around it lights everything to do it first class and to make it a resource not only to the church, but a resource to our community. It will give us an unparalleled, unrivaled sports complex that no church in the Northwest will be able to uh, put forth and be able to minister to people in a unique way that I think represents our heart. We want to include, and you know what we want to tell people? It's all right to know God and have fun. It's not a sin to have fun and do things you enjoy, and you can do things you enjoy and do it in a righteous fashion, and we can put our arms around this community in a unique way. This sports complex will make it happen. The projected budget on this, this next phase, is $2 million. In order to put in the fields to do the drainage work, the, uh, we've already got a drainage easement that's been engineered, that's been approved by the city, uh, to put in the irrigation system, to put in lights, to put a fence around it. We want to put a walking trail around it for those that just want to come out during the day or in the early in the morning and just be able to walk and have a pr prayer time or exercise time for themselves. We want this facility to touch our community in a significant way. And we're on the last phase of this. We're doing it because we believe it will help this church and propel this church to be fruitful. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, I want to explain to you the rationale this pastor uses. Why do we do all that we do? Why do we do camps? 
Why do we do sports ministry? Why would I stand before you having spent $3 million and say, let's spend $2 million more on it and do it first class? Why, why, why do I do a Christmas program for little kids and dress up like Mr. Barnaby? Why, why do we include 500 kids on our platform at Christmas time? Why do we do all that we do? It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 22, and I share it with you. And it says here, to win the weak. When I read that, my heart feels something. To win the weak, their families, their marriage is weak. Their young adults, their future and their, their confidence in themselves and their confidence in God is weak. Their middle school and high school students, their connection to the church is weak. Their families that are experiencing weakness and some are even have the fallout of that weakness. Weakness. They're hurting broken people that the love of God and the message of the gospel is what they need. And he said to the weak, the New Testament says, I, the Apostle Paul would write, I have become all things to all people so that by, notice this phrase, by all possible means I might save some. And that's a reminder in my heart, by all possible means. Whatever we need to do, to fulfill the mission of Jesus and extend God's heart and God's love to uh, others. Because if we do it, there will be people that will play ball and play soccer, and play basketball, play volleyball. There will be those that, that will connect on that level that will make them strong. We'll be able to share the, the life-changing message that God's in the business of making new and making great, and it can come to them. Yes, it's expensive, but can I tell you, anything worthwhile and anything we do for God is. I have stood on this platform, and I have raised thousands of dollars from your generosity and your heart, and we have built schools in Africa because those kids deserve and need a new life. I have raised money on this platform for drug rehabilitation program to rescue people whose lives have shipwrecked and the worst possible gutters and situations of life. What I'm saying, let's do something for our kids before they fall off and get out of church, before they walk away. Let's catch them and let's so connect them with God. Let's so connect them with the church that their life and their heart is immersed and, and connected with the church that when they go to college or that they have... They get married later on, that church and Jesus and uh, God will be an integral part of who they are and their identity. Let's rescue them. Let's make a difference in them. Let's go for the win in their life. So that's why I do what I do. By all possible means, I'm going to chase after the lost of this world because God cares for them. And I'll do it by all possible means. 
this envelope right here, and it's included inside of your your pamphlet, your booklet. Take the booklet home with you. Take this home with you. I'm not going to receive an offering today, but I'm going to ask you to take this envelope and to prayerfully consider. Now, I have stood on this platform more than one time, and I was trying to think, wow, this is my 13th building program. You're in this auditorium today because in 2010, I held a envelope just like this and I said to the people let's build a new auditorium let's, let's reach our heart and let's reach uh, our, our acceptance and our gr- love and our willingness to embrace this community let's, let's go in the biggest building program we've ever taken on and can I tell you your heart graciously responded wow yes so once again I'm on this platform And I'm asking you, with this envelope from your heart, and giving comes from the heart, would you prayerfully consider, here's what I'm asking you to do, would you consider making a monthly contribution to the building fund for the next two years, starting now and taking us in the first quarter of 2019, if you would make a monthly contribution to the building fund. I'm going to also ask you if you would prayerfully consider taking this envelope and bringing it back the first weekend of April, five weeks from now. Gives you time to pray about it. I'm not here to twist arms. I'm not putting in anyone under pressure. I'm just inviting you. Do you want to be a part of the journey of what God is doing for a more fruitful church? And if you were, would like to, say, I'll do something monthly. Bring your launch offering. We're going to take our first offering for the building fund for this project the first weekend of April. Denise and I will bring an envelope. We'll make a pledge and we'll give monthly. And I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. If you're new to Westover, let me explain. How does this work? An envelope, a pledge? You say, maybe I... That's new to me. What is it? It comes from the heart. There's actually a sentence there. If you'll notice, it says, I understand that... I may amend my commitment should circumstances change. This is a heart faith commitment. Uh, at no time will you ever receive an invoice, a bill, or at no time where we're going to say, hey, uh, you said, but you... D-. I, we don't do that at West. That's not how I, that's not how I raise money. I, I believe it comes from the heart. Why then do you even need a piece of paper? Good question. This will let us know what your intention is that allows us to prepare a budget and we can begin the process because we're beginning the construction of that this year we're already in conversation with the engineers to move it forward we think that uh, by summer or at least by midsummer we're going to start construction on this effort and this piece of paper just simply allows us to know what we can budget and prepare and begin to work ahead of time. So prayerfully consider if this is something that God would place upon your heart. And we would love to have you a part of this journey. You see, God cares about people. And by any means possible, I'm going to lead this church in saying, there's another youth, there's another child, there's another family, There's another heart, there's another life 
that God wants to impact by all possible means. And I want to thank you in advance for your prayerful consideration of this. So with that in mind, would you stand together with me? Please take the envelope and the brochure with you. Can I invite us to close this moment? Let's pray that God will make Westover a more fruitful church. Father, what a privilege it is to be with these gracious and generous people. So many times I've stood before them and their hearts have just responded. And God, I'm humbled and I'm touched that so many will do something. And I ask God collectively that we will pull together as a church to be a more fruitful church. That we will receive the challenge. We realize much has been given to Westover. Therefore, much is required. And Lord, you've been so good. You've been good to your people. And thank you in advance for the response and the faith of your people and their generosity. And I pray that student ministry and kids ministry, sports ministry, seniors ministry, outreach ministry, everything we do, ministry to ladies, men, ministry to single moms, make it more fruitful, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and God